Come Holy Spirit, come comforter, empowerer, teacher. Be among us. We do ask you to instruct us, heal us, help us, change us. For the glory of God, in whose name we pray, amen. How many of you kids know this story of the Tower of Babel? You ever heard of that before? Yeah, Tower of Babel. Interesting story. As I was looking up in my dictionary app this week, Babel, to make sure I knew like how to spell it and like just, I like to look up dic dictionary words. Um, the word of the day that came up before I typed Babel in was for Dutz. You look exactly like what it means. For Dutz means confused or bewildered. I found that very interesting. Babel. It's, it's, it's been a word for a long time, thousands of years, right? We have it in our English language, and we hear kind of its origins in our Old Testament reading today, that ancient story, sometimes called prehistory in the Bible or, or prime, the primeval period, which is the whole part all the way up to Abraham. And interestingly, this story, the Tower of Babel, is the last story told in that part of the Bible, the last story before God comes to Abraham and says, go. Go from where you are, and I'm going to make you a blessing. And, and all the families of the whole earth are going to be blessed because of you. Interesting, like you have Babel, and then you have Abram or Abraham. The story of the Tower of Babel is told partly as a Hebrew Jewish counter story to the origin story the Babylonians told about themselves, which th their story was Babylon, Babel is the gate of God. In fact, literally, that's what it means. And the Jewish people are telling the story, actually, it doesn't mean gate of God. It means confusion, right? And that more, arguably more important story that we receive finds resolution in the wind and tongues and languages of the Acts 2 Pentecost. The opening line in the Tower of Babel uh, scene tells us the whole earth had one language and the same words. They could all understand each other. And after a note about amazing ingenuity and invention and even technology, you could say, like making bricks, by which they could build way better than if they only used rocks and stones. Think about trying to build a really high tower with rocks and stones instead of bricks. But then we hear, come let us build ourselves 
a city and a tower that's so high it goes into the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. We're going to be cool with the kids. And the sermon is recorded, so if parents or... Look it up. <laughs> Let us build a city and a tower to make a name for ourselves and lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. What's, what's going on here? Well, I, one way we can frame it is ambition. They move from sort of ingenuity and invention to ambition, to pride. Insecurity is revealed. Let's, we need to stay consolidated lest we be dispersed. And fear. And, and actually, the way the story's told, it's resistant rebellion to God's initial call. God's initial call was not subdue and have dominion. That came after God said, be blessed, be fruitful, be multiply, and multiply, and what? Fill the earth. Then comes and there is this like resistance to the purpose and plan and will and call of God. There's an interesting tension here in the story. Like unity is good, right? It's good that people be united and working with one mind and one heart, but not without God. The tension is the unity and the scattering. We have a bit of that tension in Church of the Apostles' mission statement, where we have, we believe, the call to gather and the call to send. Well, which is it? Yes, it's, it's both. Of course, the disintegrating factor that every child and adult can recognize the disintegrating factor for us humans personally and communally is what we call sin. It is indeed ambition. It is indeed control birthed out of insecurity. It is pride. It is, it is birthed out of fear. And ultimately, it, it is rebellion resistance to God's will and God's call. So let's talk about the story a little bit. They built their city with this really high tower. So they weren't just building the tower, they were building a city, which presumably had thick brick walls, but then this tower in the middle to make a name for themselves, but arguably also like to be able to see farther than they could possibly see without it, to have control and security. And even though the towers tops in the heavens, the way the story's told comically is God came down. 
God came down to see this curious sight. There is no tower we could build. There's no rocket we could design and blast off. No space station, no interstellar expedition. There is no Nobel Peace Prize winning discovery. No philosophical perceptive um, breakthrough. There is no human plan for goodness and peace which can reach God's heaven, which can bring God's kingdom, which can break into like the doors of the throne room of heaven and say, here we are. In other words, there's nothing we can do about which God's response would not be to condescend. Whoa, I thought I pushed that over. Without which God would not have to condescend, to descend, to use the spatial imagery in order to care for and oversee his creation. And as the story's told, God recognizes that those made in the image and likeness of God, when, if you will, like the Trinity are united in their purpose, could accomplish virtually anything. So God, again, sort of comically echoing the people down there, says, come, let's go down and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city, and that's why it's called Babel, and that's how the earth was filled. From one perspective, God's purpose was to disperse them, like, we're going to do it my way. In fulfillment of Genesis 1. And of course, we, we also have our Jewish Christian story about the origins of different languages and peoples. But not only that, it is an origin story of not understanding one another. Let us go down and confuse their speech so that they do not understand each other. That word understand in the Hebrew is a word some of you will recognize. It's the word shema. If there's two Hebrew words you maybe ought to know, well, one you already, I'm sure you do know, shalom, right? Shalom, peace, wholeness. But is shema, shema, is the word here. Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Hear, O Israel. Listen. Sin, fear, insecurity, affects or arguably is 
the inability, the unwillingness to understand, to listen, to hear. God, one another, and even ourselves. The long-awaited promise of the Holy Spirit, the love and power of God poured out, God's self coming to indwell individuals at the church effects miraculous communication. Speaking and hearing. Now, yes, Acts 2 says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This is the reversal of Babel. But don't miss the repeated testimony in the story and of the hearers. Each one was hearing. The word hearing's in there as much as speaking. I think. Each one was hearing them speak in their own language. Or how is it that we're hearing each one of us in our own dialect? We hear them speaking about all God's deeds of power. When I'm not my best self, when I'm not in the spirit, when I'm grieving or quenching the spirit, when I'm not abiding in Christ, when I don't have ears to hear, when I, like a tower builder, am more concerned to build a strong, protective tower driven by my own ambition, pride, fear, and insecurity, I don't listen. I don't hear. And I don't want to understand. God, forgive me. And when I just want to talk about myself, when I consciously or subconsciously talk down from my tower or only talk about my tower plans, when I'm seeking to be interesting and I'm not interested in you, it's only so much babble, so much for dust. Our world needs the Spirit of God. The church needs the Spirit of God. I need the Spirit of God. And so do you. Of course, the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us, as we heard in the gospel, to do and affect many things. But we're focusing on one of them today. And not least of which is this Spirit-inspired communication, speaking and listening. Love, that's love, right? Uniting and generously scattering. 
right? Being one, but also having this expansive, generous posture in the world toward others different than ourselves. We believe that the Spirit of God is God. So when the Spirit of God comes to live in us, God dwells in us. And some argue, theologians much more brilliant than myself, and I'm thinking specifically of an early, arguably the, one of the premier theologians in American history, Jonathan Edwards, argues that the Spirit of God is the love of God. That the Spirit of God is the relationship between the Father and the Son. The love and affection, the honor and deference, the joy and delight. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us to convince us of God's love and affection, of God's honor, if we could say, and joy and delight in us, because we can't believe it otherwise, not deep down in here. And to work that same in us toward God, but not only toward God, if God lives in us, then how God relates to God's self will be increasingly a dynamic of how we relate to each other. Said another way, the Spirit of God communicates to us how valuable, how treasured we are to God. There may be no greater way to show people how valuable they are, how treasured. No greater way to work for healing, for safety and security, might I even say for the kingdom of God, than spirit-inspired listening, hearing, and understanding. This is not self-help. It's not humanistic. We're talking about the gift of God. We're talking about the long-awaited promise of the Father. It is a miracle. It is a grace. And it is a gift. And it requires our cooperation. For the life of the Spirit grows in us like fruit. That cooperation, what does it look like? In some ways, it's the opposite of Babel, right? It is repentance and faith. And it moves toward humility and service. It works on emotionally healthy spirituality, if you will. It is becoming more 
and more like Jesus, who came to so identify with us, to so listen to our pain and heartbreak and need, but to whom we went, no, 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 and rejected the God who speaks, the God who hears. This is such an important trajectory to the baptized life. Those baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, those immersed into the life and relationship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, those who die with Christ and are raised with Him in His new life. For our sake, for the church's sake, for our family's sake, for the world's sake, may we learn to both speak spirit inspired words with understanding. That's like the opposite of being on a tower, standing under and to hear, to listen with that same understanding, with love and affection, honor and deference, joy and delight, because we know more and more of the transforming, filling, flooding, baptizing, immersing, regenerating love of God. Love is the language of Pentecost. Amen. Thanks be to God.